I think it's a fool's errand for organizations to not embrace a remote workforce because if they don't, their candidate pool is going to shrink significantly. Welcome to the Talent Experience Podcast. Listen to the latest trends, challenges, and opportunities that shape the future of work. Brought to you by Fuel 50. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to the Talent Experience Podcast on Fuel 50. Today's guest is Don Burke. Don is a longtime friend and the founder of Don Burke HR, an HR leader, speaker, and influencer specializing in new HR practices, engagement, and workplace culture. Her HR and leadership career has spanned the last 20 years, most recently serving as Vice President of People for Birmingham, Alabama, award-winning technology company, Daxco. Dawn, how are you? I am great, but I need to correct something. My last corporate job was actually with Kinetics as the VP of Talent Consulting and, of course, some VP of People Work as well. So, you know, there you I are. I do that and I got caught up on the Daxco part. So, wonderful. We'll make sure. No that worries. That is, that is right. Thanks for, thanks for uh, keeping me up to date. It's, it's been hard the last few years keeping things up, up to date, as you well know. Yeah, of course. You know, there's lots of changes going on that impact HR and talent managers. And workplaces are facing all sorts of things in our post-pandemic world. And I'd like to get your perspective on some of them if you're game for that. Oh, of course. I mean, it's Uh, top of mind for everybody still, for sure. Let's let's start by, if we could talk a little bit about workplace culture after the lockdown. Um, What's your take on where it is going uh, and what you see about it, uh, because I, I know that uh, it's been a real challenge for a lot of organizations dealing with it in um, the hybrid work and remote work and all of that. And I have said, how do we do a culture when we have some people working remotely and some people not? And I'm not exactly sure how that works. So what, what's your take on that? Well, I have a, a few different directions we could go in. First, I want to talk about you know, what has been this history of cultures of engagement and okay. looking backwards, we can then look, look forward a little bit. Um, I do believe uh, in the short term, hybrid is still going to be king. Oh, I'll say queen. Hybrid is still going to be queen. Um, it makes sense. Uh, and uh, I think one of the biggest reasons is because during the pandemic, C-suite decision makers the ones that were the most adamant against any kind of remote or hybrid workplace, they now have done it. And when they realized they got benefit from it, then that was something they then could imagine working. Whereas before it was a failure of imagination, this concept that everybody needs to be in the same place. I need to be able to, as a C-suite or a leader or manager, see everything, influence everything. And now they know that that's not the case anymore. So hybrid's going to keep on going on until it doesn't support the business financially. Well, you know, I... I kind of laugh as you talk about that because I had so many people I worked with over the years who were adamant against mm-hmm. any remote work. I mean, even the occasional 
day on a Friday or a Monday that you might say, hey, can I do this? Because I got a doctor's appointment and, sure. and something else. And they just were adamant. They had to see you. You had to be there, even if it made if, if it made no sense. And I've often wanted to uh, go back to some of those people and right. ask them, what are you doing now? Because now everybody is doing this, you know, so yeah. uh, what, what's your take? Uh, take now, I, I wonder about how those people coped with having to make this change, which they had been resisting for so long. Well, again, I think um, necessity is the mother of invention. They didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice. Uh, so they cooked the best they could. I think there were some forwardly uh, thinking leaders who really, it was an easy choice for them because of the safety of their uh, employees was top priority. Um, I think others, it probably was just a, a learning curve for everybody. Uh, cope the best way they can. I, I think some didn't cope. Some didn't cope. You know, one, one of the, the things you had, you had sent, sent a note to me and you talked about uh, wanting to chat about leadership disconnect. Is this a disconnect that these people were so um, out of whack about this for so long and then suddenly had to turn on a dime and make it all go? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So here's that part where I talk about let's look backwards a little bit before we can look at the pandemic and forward. Um, right now, we're seeing all over the place the phrase eology, if that's a word, of quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Um, that is a wonderful marketing uh, tagline for mm -hmm. something that has been the case forever, which was considered a disengaged workforce. Um, same exact thing. Here's what's very interesting. So I've been in the HR leadership space for now decades. And one of the things I studied was engagement, disengagement for the last forever years. Well, right now, when you look at the 2022 engagement survey from Gallup, um, it's from, I think, Q2 or Q4 of Gallup. Um, in 2022, the number of the percentage of people who in the workplace were engaged is 32%. All right. Now, the people who were actively disengaged, so these are people who are coming to work and looking for other jobs, it's 18%. All right. So 32% engaged, 18% actively disengaged. This is 2022. Well, let's go back to 2015. Guess what the numbers were regarding the percentage of people who were engaged and the percentage of people that were actively disengaged. John, I'll let you just guess. My guess is it was probably about the same. Exactly the same. Not yeah. about the same, exactly the same. 32%. Okay, well, I lied. And the other one for actively disengaged was 17.5. Um, when we talk about engagement and disengagement, we haven't cracked the code then. We haven't cracked it now. Um, and you know, I think it's a misnomer for us to now say, Hey, um, hybrid workforces have been the cause of this disengagement and, and this, this quiet quitting. No, disconnection from leadership to employees has been the cause of disconnection. Lack of clarity. This is the biggest one. Lack of clarity on job descriptions, outcomes, results, who we are, who our customer is, transparency and what's happening in the organization. Those are the things that if that was happening before the pandemic, before hybrid, then they're happening here. Um, it's too easy to say, uh, 
Yeah. The hybrid workforce has changed everything because now they don't, I can't see that person here. No, well, guess what? If you weren't engaging in a hybrid manner, which would be, I, for instance, John, as a leader, that means that once a week I jump on Zoom from my house to one of my employees who's across the country and I prioritize having a one-on-one with them. All right. Um, if I'm not doing that in the hybrid workforce, then I sure wasn't doing it in the uh, 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 face-to-face office workforce as well. Um, it, because to do those things consistently, it doesn't matter where your location is. It's about being a, trained to be a leader who prioritizes the communication and the clarity. So I really do think it's important that people quit looking for the easy explanation on why it's been so hard to manage. The easy explanation, and unfortunately it's the wrong one, is because now we're hybrid or we're remote. One of the things about the Gallup numbers that I really respect is that Gallup's been tracking this data for about 30 years. Oh, yeah. And so they have a really good time horizon they can look back on how it's been and compare that and compare to things that were happening in the economy and the workforce and various things. And so their their numbers are very, very good. But, you know, I, I wrote about this for many years. And what it finally came to me was, and maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but I found that engagement, I thought, was really connected to culture. I mm-hmm. thought we were kind of looking at, at it wrong, investing all this time and energy into engagement. And it's like, if we get the culture right, I think the engagement follows. Mm-hmm. That engagement, good engagement, is another barometer of how good the culture is. And yet you get a lot of people right now who are saying, oh, this thing about culture is bad, da 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 And I think they're, they are saying that because it's hard to get a fix on how culture in the workplace is going to work when you have people working in a remote or hybrid, you know, uh, way. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that when they're not all in the same place? Um, this is, again, something that people will probably want to throw a tomato at my head for saying, but you have to constantly communicate to the folks. You have to survey. You have to have relevant surveys. Um, engagement surveys are very different than satisfaction surveys. But what I would say when you look at the culture versus engagement connection, um, to me, engagement's an outcome of having the practices that uh, of understanding your culture and what works. A lot of people say, hey, if we're engaged, our culture will be better. No. If you figure out what your authentic culture is, which is going to be different for everybody else, of how we get things done and what we expect, what value set we have, et cetera. Once you get that right, you can then train your managers properly across all lines on how do we model that? How are we clear about that? Um, and how do we reward for doing that, those things are going to be the keystones for then having more engaged employees. What's your take on these these organizations that are pushing people to come back? They're trying to bring remote employees back. I know Disney is, and um, the the people who are pushing back on it are, of course, a lot of like the office staff. Mm-hmm. And I think like two thousand of them wrote a letter to. The CEO complaining about it, telling him this is terrible, is going to do all these terrible things about like the company. I thought the letter was a little bit overwrought, but they're not the only company doing this. There's a lot of them, particularly a lot of the tech firms are trying to get people back into like the office now. 
Um, sure. what, what's your take on that? And what what do you hear a lot of your 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 clients saying about this? Um, <clears throat> so I've been in the, the industry for several decades now, and I think there is a lot of um, pluses to wisdom and age, right? So I've had the ability to look back and see some trends. And I don't mean this to be cynical. This is what I have seen and what my, again, not only in the corporations that I was doing HR work, but also as a consultant, I worked with some very good marquee names as well. Um, It comes down to this. For a majority of workplaces, not all, the hybrid versus coming back to the office. So let's say prioritizing hybrid work will only happen if leadership, not employees, but if leadership sees that they will have some sort of financial gain for the organization or a personal professional gain. Um, What do I mean? Well, professional gain, I worked with the CEO who was very focused on the culture. Um, The reason he was focused on the culture was because he wanted employees to be more productive, et cetera, et cetera. But he had a very, very um, uh, personal motivation because he got a lot of press on having a good culture. Now he got to speak on it. This was something that was his brand. Even though at times, and I would say a lot of times, he didn't model or practice what he preached. Good good guy trying to, but just didn't. Um, Other organizations, the Disney, Tesla, et cetera, it's going to come down to, are they going to have better returns for their stockholders by having people internal or external? Now, the other thing, too, when you talk about financial uh, gains or losses, though, is you have to look at the market. So for now, I think it's a fool's errand for organizations to not embrace a remote workforce because if they don't, their candidate pool is going to shrink significantly. And that causes financial distress. It's an employee's market. It's a new generation of worker. And now all generations of worker also want the flexibility because they were burned out beyond measure, me included, which that could be a whole nother podcast, honestly. Um, But I think if indeed... uh, Right now, there, it'll be a, a hybrid, unless you're in manufacturing or you know, you're in retail or something. It'll be hybrid until the market changes. When the market changes, then if the ones do believe it's better to bring people in to um, uh, uh, see, not, not necessarily, uh, what I look at is when managers have trouble with the hybrid is because they never learn to delegate. Yeah, they need to see it and do it. Um, if that creates a, a better financial gain or better products or better tech, or I'm able to see things, um, people are going to come back to the office or they'll find others who will. Um, but I, I think that it'll be less percentage than less percentage than it used to be. Well, you know, I, I've been working remotely for about 12 years. So I was working remotely before remote work was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the one thing that I missed from the office environment are the impromptu engagements you had with people in an office environment. And yes. frequently out of those, 
getting a cup of coffee in the break room, somebody coming by your office or your cube to poke in and ask a question about A, and you end up talking about B, which is a sure. problem you've been struggling with. And guess what? You come up with a solution in this impromptu way. Um, I miss that. But I also know you don't have to be there five days a week to get that. Sure. For me, the hybrid environment is like perfect. You know, yeah. Um, at home three days a week and uh, uh, let me come in a couple and I guarantee I can probably get the same upside for those kinds of impromptu meetings two days a week as I was getting five days a week. Agreed. And that's what I prefer. You know, I, I, it's interesting. Um, I, I think by nature an extrovert, but then when I, when I, and I get, I get ideas and I get energy from it, but I also am somebody who's like, when I'm tired of playing, I got to go home. I need to sleep. I can't, be that way all the time. But I, I really got a lot of my um, energy, confidence, happiness through those interactions. Um, I'm like you, John, before I um, the pandemic hit, I was uh, working remotely, uh, consulting for a great company, working as a consultant for a couple of really great companies. Um, and uh, there was a point after a couple of years where all of a sudden I was getting depressed and I didn't know why. And it, and it was because I needed some more interaction. Now, here's the thing that companies need to realize, though. Um, uh, there's always this question of what are we going to do to have those authentic conversations at the coffee pot? You're not. You're not. Um, it's different. You're not. If you're remote, I'm not going to run into you. Um, and again, a lot of times I think people are phrasing it when we're trying to change this of how do we make it like it was? You can't. It's not like it was. What can you do? Well, let's work within the parameters and the realities we have. Guess what? You're going to have to have more online types of communications or, or phone calls or some sort of sessions where there it actually is about nothing. We're not talking about work. Will that work? Maybe, maybe not. But it's again, I love this. You know, it's a fool's errand to think that we're all are going to have that authentic run into each other type of thing because we won't. And we also have to know that a lot of the people who are now being employed by companies aren't people that live in the same city as they were before. So even if you wanted to bring everybody in and have it all, you know, uh, everybody's coming back, you can't. Um, there's still going to be, I think, hybrid by, not by design, but by by necessity, by force. Um, so I, I think you have to look at it through different lenses and uh, find other ways to connect authentically. Um, and right now, I don't think anybody's cracked that code, but it's doable if you make it a priority. Well, and I think the companies and the organizations that have made this work have been the ones that were really flexible yes. and willing to say just what just what you said. The old ways are kind of gone. We got to figure out how we can make this work with what we have at hand. And the ones that have been willing to embrace that and kind of put the old ways aside and and say we got to find some new ways here um, and embrace those um, have done well. And the ones that haven't kind of gotten that. Yet they're still they're still kind of kicking and screaming, getting dragged, kick, kicking, and, and right. screaming into right. the new world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think that that it's it's a it's a result of change. 
we could do a whole other podcast on change, change management. Um, a lot of people had absolutely no preparation training, and obviously for the pandemic. Um, and I think the first step for leaders is to really, really start to get to the point of, I have to accept the realities of the new workforce. Once I do that, then I can have more brain power toward creative ways of figuring out how do we have more personal interactions, even if they're not authentic or um, spontaneous. Um, I would say um, even more, well, equally important, if somebody wants to start figuring out how do you continue to um, thrive or improve, because a lot of companies pre-pandemic in the offices were not thriving as far as engagement, they weren't uh, because, oh, 70% of employees weren't engaged. But I think there's a couple of things um, that that you need to think about on why this is and then where to start. Um, I think we have been looking at the pragmatic reality that not everybody is going to be engaged. Why? Number one, <clears throat> human beings are way too complex. Their needs change, their thoughts change, they learn more, they see more. And what I needed when I was hired, that company could have been providing me. But as I grow and change, the company could still be acting in the very same way, but that is not something that fits my current needs. Also, on the flip, companies are far too complex. It's the same. They're their own organism. I don't know many companies whose goal is just to stay the way they are. They normally are growth companies or they want more, make more pies or open more stores or have better product. Um, and their needs change as well. It's too complex uh, and they're going to need a different type of employee. So it really is about two things. And I know we're out of time. If people want to start and have that flexibility, knowing things will change. Number one, clarity is is huge. John, I know that you've seen that so many companies, all I've seen, I'm talking about big marquee names versus a 10-person startup. There's some opposition to really getting clear on what the jobs are and getting clear on what our message is and getting clear on what our product is. So number one, clarity, and then you communicate it. All that other stuff. I'm sorry. If you don't get those two things right, then having um, happy hours or let's have a roundtable for a book club or whatever. Um, let's have an ERP group, which is really great, but that won't matter. It won't matter. They need to be clear on everything and communicate, especially if they're not in the office. Well, Don, that is a great note to end on. As you kept saying, yes, we could talk about this. <laughs> we'll have to come back and and to do it again. What's the best website to to go find what you're doing? Well, right now, I think there's two places. One would be LinkedIn because I right now I'm in transition from uh, working at Kinetics. I'm now uh, not a full time employee there, but I am doing consulting work. Um, so I would look at my LinkedIn page. Um, number two, I do have a website, dawnburkhr.com. Um, so you can get some tidbits from me there. Uh, so I think those are probably the two best places right now. Great. Well, thank you, Dawn, for taking the time to talk to us today. 
great conversation. You've been generous with, with your time. You've always got something really interesting to say. So <laughs> we're going to have to have you back. Oh my, it's yeah. done. It's done. Let's so, do it. So we really appreciate you. Appreciate you being here. Well, so, I appreciate you asking. This is well, fantastic. So for Feel 50's Talent Experience Podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks for listening. The Talent Experience Podcast is brought to you by Fuel 50. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com.